This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. All right, still ahead for us on the show today, we're going to be talking about the murder of the journalist in Northern Ireland. Remember this story? It was from about a week ago. Well, since it happened, people have been demanding in that country that her death not be in vain. And today, political leaders from all sides of the spectrum there have agreed to come together and actually talk. That's something that they haven't seen there in a couple of years. So we're going to talk about the new hopes for the people of Northern Ireland and why it was that the killing, this one this one killing seems to have sparked such a change. That's coming up just after the uh, 1230 news. So stay tuned for that. I want to talk about something that you're going to be hearing much more about actually next week. So starting on Monday, the John McComb Show is going to be launching a week-long series right across the Global News Network. And it's going to examine the troubling issue of miscarriage of justice. It's called Canada's Wrongfully Convicted. It's written and produced by Pippa Reed and Nikki Reitmeyer and narrated by John. And the series is going to take a look at the reasons why innocent people get caught up in the justice system, how they get convicted, and then get sent to prison for crimes that they didn't commit. And it's also going to look at things that need to change to make sure that other Canadians don't keep slipping through those same cracks. So a couple of examples here for you, because you might be wondering, well, how prevalent is this exactly? Have a listen to this story. Maria Shepard was 21 years old, two children that she had. She was pregnant with a third when she was arrested and charged with the manslaughter of her three-and-a-half-year-old stepdaughter, Cassandra. So she was convicted based on evidence that was flawed, uh, the flawed evidence of Dr. Charles Smith, who we now know was responsible for putting away about a dozen other people in jail through testimony, which was essentially lies. And Maria will talk about going to prison. Going into the prison system as a woman that is pregnant and you're innocent at the same time, you know, when I left after I was sentenced by Justice Langdon, I was placed in a paddy wagon dressed in a maternity dress, and I was shackled at the feet and handcuffed and brought into this paddy wagon. And I remember I was now sitting in this, this small space, handcuffed and shackled. I had a whole other perception of what prison was going to be like. And then I get there, and as I'm being processed through admission and discharge, um, I'm told that when I get brought upstairs to the protective custody range, that I'm to tell other inmates that I was there for murdering my husband. Because if they find out that you're there for an offense on a child, you're done. That's Maria Shepard. You're going to hear more about her story. She went in, so she started her sentence uh, and she was pregnant and she spent a significant amount of her two-year, less-a-day sentence at the Vanier Centre for Women in Ontario. And then she was moved to a nearby halfway house and that's where she gave birth to her daughter, Chanel. And it's a time in her life that she still has a lot of trouble talking about. I was relieved that I wasn't actually in Vanier anymore uh, giving birth to her. Um, but it doesn't eliminate, you know, all the trips that I took in a prison vehicle to, to privately go see a doctor in handcuffs, um, you know. And then when it came time to her being born, I don't have, besides asking for uh, medication twice, I don't have any memories of the labor at all. And it's humiliating to admit it, and it's very depressing, and I try not to talk about it much, but... I don't even have any memories of actually holding her. 
I don't remember ever. I don't remember ever holding her after she came out. So those are, you know, I can't even talk about it. I'm breaking up, actually. Um, those are really painful memories that sit with you, that you don't quite get past after a while. I need the community to know that it could happen to anybody on the street. And if we don't take action now and we don't try and work on prevention and correction now, then our current generation and the generations to follow may very well fall prey to problems that we could have prevented. It's a pretty powerful story, isn't it? Now, Maria was being hauled off to prison in 1991. And right around that time, there was another Canadian whose life was being turned upside down. And that is Robert Baltovich. He was charged with the murder of his girlfriend, Elizabeth Bain, in Toronto. She went missing from a university campus there. So there was faulty eyewitness testimony and even witness hypnosis, which helped to put him away for a crime that he did not commit. And Rob talks about the day that he was convicted by a jury and then sentenced to life in prison. I guess in the back of my mind, I just kept saying, you know what, you're innocent. You can't be convicted. You're innocent. You can't be convicted. You didn't do this. And then, of course, when they said, when the foreman said, we find the accused guilty as charged, I mean... It was a pretty brutal feeling, and I just tried to stay strong, but I could, you know, I just kind of glanced behind me, and uh, I saw that a lot of my family members and friends were crying, and uh, so it was just, it was just pretty messy, but the one thing I'll remember even more than my own reaction was uh, there was kind of an audible gasp uh, that came from some of the media who had been covered the case, and I thought it was interesting because there were points during the trial where I felt like the media had kind of bought into the Crown's theory. But I think toward the end, they kind of realized, you know what, there's not really a lot here. And so one woman in particular, uh, I remember saying, oh, my God, they found him guilty. And uh, it's not much solace, but I, but I think that there were a lot of people in that courtroom, myself included, that were pretty shocked and disappointed. But uh you know, at that point, there was really nothing I could do other than just try and suck it up and try and be strong for the people in my family. Now, Robert says he never did receive an apology, and he has spent 10 years trying to clear his name. No, I haven't gotten an apology yet. Um, I'm still hopeful that I'll get one at some point. Uh, there is a civil suit, and, um, you know, if you know, that is resolved in my favor, but... You know, I'm not so sure that anyone who participated in my prosecution, whether on the police side or, you know, the prosecutorial side, uh, is really that sorry. Um, I just, I, I, frankly, I find their behavior absolutely baffling. I mean, especially now in light of the fact that, you know, it, it seems that at least some of the witnesses that were called, uh, some of the witnesses that were procured, pro procured by the police in the Crown, um, they knew. They knew these witnesses were wrong. They knew these witnesses might actually have been lying. And, uh, you know, I just I just don't understand it. It's a very strange case. I mean, I realize I'm in the middle of it, so maybe I can't be the most objective person. But I just find it very bizarre. And uh, I can't quite understand it. Uh, I, I may never understand it, but I still kind of feel like there must be something out there that I haven't seen yet that might actually explain why it is that they did what they did and why it is that they feel justified for having done it. But I haven't seen it yet. 
Now, Roberts is a pretty complicated case, so you'll have to listen for more on this uh, next week when on the John McComb Show they are featuring more of these stories in depth. For instance, in Roberts' case, his lawyers have repeatedly tried to point the finger at Paul Bernardo, saying that Bernardo at that time was active in the area as the Scarborough racist, a rapist, and they believe that he is the one responsible for killing uh, Robert Baltovich's girlfriend, Elizabeth Bain. Uh, the case officially has never fully been solved either. So there's a lot more to come on this. Tune in next week as we walk you through some of Canada's highest profile cases of wrongful conviction, how the justice system failed those people, and how it could happen to anyone. So that starts Monday uh, on the John McComb Show.